We've been discussing the question of whether a Kohen Gadol can perform Yibum with an Almana. Uh, the problem is a Kohen Gadol is prohibited to an Almana, so that's a Lotase. And if the Almana was um, actually married to the deceased, then that would be another problem that she's not a betula and be a ase and, and a lota ase. Uh, so in that case, misfat ase vibum would not override an ase and a lota ase. But our question is regarding if the uh, original brother only did, did kiddushin with his wife and then died. And so now the uh, yevama falls to the Kohen Gadol and she is an almana, so that is a lota ase. But because they did not consummate their marriage with Nisuin, so she is still a betula. In that case, it's only a lotase. And we asked, how come we don't have an ase, doche lotase, and allow the Kohen Gadol to perform Yibum? And we saw already uh, one answer by Dav and three different answers by Rava. The last one being that it's a gezera. You're right, you could, but a gezera. We're afraid that, that um, he should only do one bi'ah, and if we allow that, then he's going to remain married to her and have more bi'ot. But he already did the mitzvah, and there's no need for them to remain married, so that's what make a gezerah, do not do yibum at all. Okay, so we have that fourth answer, which is fine, but now we're going to attempt a fifth answer. Hadad Amar Rava, and this is Rava himself that says, oh, you know what? I thought of a fifth answer. Others say, no, it wasn't Rava, but rather uh, later, Amora uh, Rava that the sixth generation, as opposed to Rava in the fourth generation, uh, that said, that proposed the following answer. And says, Lav Amari. Well, these words, it sounds like Rava said it. Oh, what I just said, I changed my mind. And based on, Resh Lakish. Resh Lakish has this general principle, Shakish's general principle is when you have a contradiction between the Miswata and the Miswat Lota and you can and you can't fulfill both. Well, if you cannot fulfill both, then he agrees. The ase comes and overrides the lota. But if there is any way to actually fulfill both, that you won't violate the law ta'aseh, and you can also fulfill the misfat ta'aseh, then you have to do that. All right, you cannot, will not, ta'aseh will not override the law ta'aseh if there is a way out that you can fulfill both of them. And that applies to this case, because the Kohen Gadol can perform chalitza, and by doing chalitza, he does not violate taking an almana. And he has no problem with the misfat aset. So misfat aset to do yibum is true, but you don't have to do it if you do halisa. And so therefore he has a way out. And if you have a way out, then the principle aset dochelot aset does not apply. And that's why a kohen gadol cannot do yibum. Very nice, easy solution. Uh, why don't we think of this in the first place? But actually, it's not so easy because we reject it. Metibe, bimbaalu, kanu. In this baraita that we actually just quoted, we quoted just a snippet from it. And we see that bedi abad, if a kohen gadol does do bi'ah, then it works. Uh, he becomes his, she becomes his wife. The yibum takes effect. And according to this uh, reasoning of Resh Lakish, if on a deoraita level, um, we do not apply and therefore he, there is, uh, he's not permitted to do yibum. 
In that case, if you're not permitted to do Yibum, and then you go and do it anyway, then there's no there's no mitzvah that's done. In fact, it's simply uh, erva of eshet ach, and the prohibition of almana, and this would be like like a case where there's nisur karet also. If he goes and does it, then it does not take effect at all. And so, according to your logic, but even bidi avad, it should not take effect. And yet, the Baraita says bidi avad, it does take effect, and therefore we say tiyufta. So this is a rejection of this response by, uh, that's based on Resh Lakish, whoever said it, either Rav Asheh said it or Rav said it. It's a bit strange if Rav said it because uh, he knows this Beraita, he just quoted it here himself. So why would he reject his fourth answer and bring a fifth answer um, if that fifth answer doesn't even fit with the fourth, um, uh, fit with the Beraita that he already knows. Okay, but this, but I, this, uh, this challenge is gonna come again in the next Suya, and uh, I think there it'll make more sense. So we continue. Okay, so even though we just gave uh, five different answers uh, to that question, um, and now we have a related machloket, this time from Mora um, from Eretz Yisrael, that if the Kohen Gadol does perform Habia, uh, uh, perform born with an almana. Uh, so there's a machloka between these two sages. One says, that that bi'ah does not take effect, does not do yibum, and the co-wife would not be exempt. And the other says that, yes, it does take effect, even to the extent that the co-wife is exempt, right? Because once you do, if there are co-wives, once one co-wife does yibum, the other is free to go. Okay, so they are arguing on this very question of, uh, on a bidiavad level, does it work or not? Okay, so now we clarify the question. If the original brother who died was married uh, to her, to, to, to the Yavama before he died, then everyone agrees that if the Kohen Gadol comes and takes her, it would be ineffective, nothing. It would be uh, uh, um, simply prohibited and the co-wife would not go free. Because there's no way that the misvata sevibum can override both the lotase of being in the amana and an ase that he has to be with a betula. And so therefore, because it does not override both, the boom is not as invalid it does, t- does not take effect, and the co-wife is still prohibited. Uh, the question is, if the original, the brother who died, only performed kiddushin, he only gave her a ring, and therefore this she is still a betula. The opinion that says that when the Kohen Gadol does take her, then it does take effect as Yibum, and the co-wife is free to go. And he would say, Good. And the one who says, no, it does not take effect, would say, It does not take effect because um, uh, I say it will not override even though in general, in other cases, there is a rule that ase uh, overrides a lot Here, not so, because you have a way out and you can do halisa. 
and since you can do chalisa, so then you cannot do yibum, and the yibum is ineffective. So that is that's the machloket between these two amoraim. And now we challenge the last opinion. Metibe bimbaalu kanu. Same baraita we just said uh, because bidi avad. Uh, the baraita says that it works, and according to this last opinion that says enapoted um, it that it does not it does not take effect. Um, so it does not take effect because the misfav yibum does not apply, cannot override. Well, then even bidi avad the yibum should not work. Um, but yet here the baraita says that it does work tiyuftan. So therefore we reject the second opinion and we go with the first opinion that says if the kohen gadol does take the Yevama, then the Yibum is effective and uh, the co-wife is free to go and marry anyone she wants. Okay, good. Last point on this subject. Wait a second, maybe since you already, now, now that we rejected uh, the application to Yibum, maybe we should reject the entire statement of Resh Lakish, right? Because Resh Lakish says that, yeah, unless there is a way out and you can do chalisa. And then it's not doche. And since we rejected the application here, so maybe that means his entire rule is rejected. But Shakish could defend his rule and say that his rule does not, his rule is true. But it does not is not applicable to this case of Yibum and Chalitza because he says I only said my rule when you are you can find a way out in which you can actually perform the mitzvah and also avoid the law taase. But in this case, the way out is through Chalitza. Chalitza is not actually fulfilling the mitzvah of Yibum, and so according to him, the main mitzvah is to perform Yibum. Now, if you don't like her, she doesn't like him, whatever reason, they can't do it, they don't want to do it. So you do chalisa, but chalisa does not fulfill any mitzvah. So this way out is not really a way out. It's true, it's a way out that you won't violate the law ta'aseh, but you're not fulfilling the mitzvah ta'aseh. And that's why the shakish himself would not even apply his own rule in this case. And so... The fact that it does not work in this case is not any uh, is not is not an uh, objection to Resh Lakish's rule. Resh Lakish's rule is in fact upheld. Our next topic are the shiniyot, the secondary category of prohibited relations uh, that the Mishnah mentioned as isur mitzvah. In which case, if someone like that falls to yibum, one must perform halisa. We're going to list what these relations are, but first. We're going to bring four derivations or hints from the Torah uh, that we know from Tanakh uh, that are the source that the rabbis um, should uh, add these uh, secondary uh, relations to the original Torah prohibitions. So the first one, what's a hint from the Torah that the rabbi should add these secondary prohibited relations? Uh, regarding in the summary pasuk of all of the arayot, it says all of these uh, abominations, ha'el, and it calls them these. Ha'el is short for ha'ele, um, but because it's short, the word 
El also means something harsh. It is God's name, and, but the derivation of it, it comes from something that is strong. That's why it is one of God's names, meaning the, like the Almighty. Uh, so these are called, these 21 uh, relations that are listed in Vayikra 18 are the harsh uh, prohibitions, and that uh, infer that um, uh, suggests that there are another category of ones that are less harsh, that are, are, are less stringent. And so these are the secondary relations. Okay. Where do we see that the word ha'el means something that is harsh? All right, they took away the mighty ones. So uh, that means mighty. So these are the mighty prohibitions, but there are then um, more lenient prohibitions too. Okay, if that's what this means, then this seems to contradict what Abi Levi said. Okay, Rabbi Levi said something quite astounding that the punishment for false measures, if someone has a weight that's, uh, you know, says a pound, but it's actually bigger or smaller than a pound, and he uses that to cheat when he's buying or selling, that the punishment of that is worse than incest. Why? Because regarding incest, it says just the word el, but regarding false measures, right here's the context in Devarim 25, right? and so on, the next pasuk, so here the word ele being more stringent than the word el. And so doesn't this seem to contradict what he said? Because according to this, the word ele is, is strict and the word el means not strict. And uh, Ravad just said that el means something that is very stringent. And the answer is, no, there are two levels. El means something that is very harsh. Ele is even more strict. So we have a hierarchy. Uh, the fal false measures is the worst. And then comes the adayot that are mentioned in the Torah, but it still suggests that there is yet, yet another category of less stringent uh, prohibited relations. And that would be the shiniyot. Hold on. Even regarding Adayot, in the couple of pieces who came after the one we quoted in Baikra 18, the summarizes is called Kikol Asher And so he uses the word Ele even for these. Oh, this word Ha'ele is uh, coming to teach me that these, only these, get the punishment of Karet. Right, that's the, the rest of the pasuk. So one might have thought, because there is a similar language between uh, false measures and adayot, that just like adayot, one receives karet. So too, if someone uses false measures, the, the punishment is karet. That's why the, this word ele comes to say these only uh, prohibitions of adayot receive karet, but false measures Although in some way it's harsher, as we just said, it does not receive karet. Okay, so it doesn't receive karet, the punishment is less. So then we ask, Ella, my chumraihu. So in what way are false measures more stringent if the punishment is less? And the answer is, regarding false, uh, regarding adayot, one can make teshuvah. Uh, as long as a mamzed is not born from it, which then you can't recover from. But if it's only a, pro a prohibited relation, then we have a process of teshuvah. 
uh, that is spelled out by Rambam, and one goes through that process, and then one can do Teshuvah. Whereas if someone uh, uses false measures, then it's not it's not just like stealing from you know uh, one one per, you know breaking into a house and stealing from one person. Then you can return it. If you're using false measures, that means you're using it all the time. Whenever you're buying, whenever you're selling, you're using it for institutions and companies, and so you're stealing from the public. And there's no way to track down each and every person from whom you stole. And then in that case, it's impossible to make teshuvah for consistent use of false measures. And that's the sense in which using false measures is even worse than, uh, than adayot. So really an amazing uh, uh, statement. Okay, that was the first uh, derivation. Second, it says that King Shalom weighed and sought out and made many proverbs to help understand things. Before King Shalom came, the Torah was like a basket without handles that you can't you can't hold on to it. And he came and made handles for it. Here's like a basket that originally was without handles and then hard to hard to hold. And so, right on the outside, one attaches handles, and now you can you're able to carry it around. So too, uh, the Torah was uh, difficult to understand. Uh, and uh, it's only through parables. You say, what is this like? And then you give an explanation, a uh, reason for various things, then you can understand it. Okay, we're, we're bringing this in as um, uh, to say that the Torah law itself is uh, impossible to uphold just by itself because we need uh, added gezerot. Right. If we have only the Torah, then it's like coming too close to a to, to a ledge, and then people will fall off. And uh, right, so the the Torah is just giving you the bare bones, but we have to add in more. Right, just like in the basket, adding more material actually makes it easier to handle. So too that the Rabbanan Gezerot that fill in other things that people will come and make a mistake with. And when you fill those in, then it's actually easier to fulfill all of the Torah and uh, not get tripped up and make mistakes. And so uh, this is a source for the general idea that it's good to add, just like you add Mishalim to understand something original, you add uh, other Drabanan Gezerot to protect the original laws. Third derivation. Uh, Peshat is talking about or bad places. Avoid it. Don't pass by it. Turn from it. Pass and pass on. Right. If you know there's some spot where there's evildoers, don't even go near it. Right. Go on the road, uh, on the side road, all around it, and don't even come next to that which may be tempting. Regarding this, he's going to give a mashal. We just talked about mishalim. So there's mashal to understand what he meant by this. Although he was talking about going on the road and avoiding something bad, uh, this mashal applies it to a watchman uh, who should stand outside. If a watchman is, stand, is guarding, an orchard, he should stand on the outside to make sure no one goes in at all. Whereas if the watchman is guarding inside, then he can only guard that which is behind him, um, but that which is in front of him, 
Uh, well, it says the opposite. If he's inside, then what's in front of him, what he's looking at, he can be washed, but someone can sneak around behind him and then that won't be washed. And the point is that if you, once you let a thief in, then they're going to be able to take, to, to take some things. You have to stand outside and make sure that the thief doesn't even come anywhere near the produce that's inside. And so too, uh, the, the rabbis have to make uh, so that we don't even enter the prohibited area. And so we add a fence so that uh, we will stay fully outside. By the way, this mashal that Avashe brought is itself not accurate. In that case, at least the guard can watch what's in front of him. Right, he can see it. Whereas, if you don't, if we don't add the secondary, uh, the shiniot, the secondary level of arayot, then people will come to, uh, to sin, even regarding the forbidden relations themselves, because they'll compare this one to that one and say, "Oh, this is allowed and that's allowed." And so, uh, a guard that's in, inside can at least guard half of the things. Whereas, if the rabbis do not make these uh, these gezerot, then uh, nothing will be guarded. So the you know, the reality is even worse than it was in the, that mashal. All right, and now the last uh, source, Rav Kahana Amar Mehacha, Ushmartem et Mishmarti, you should protect my possessions, right? The Torah is Mishmarti, is Hashem, is what, what Hashem said, you have to guard, and you have to put a fence around the uh, the, the things that I said to guard. Asum Mishmeret li Mishmarti, right? Make a gate for my gate. Uh, so that means that the, this authorizes the rabbis to add further uh, 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 prohibitions to guard the Torah prohibitions. Amale Abaye le Rav Yosef ha deoraita hi deoraita upirshu upirshu rabbanan. So Abaye says, wait. According to this, you quoted a pasuk, and if you're quoting a pasuk, then that one means that these shenayot would actually be deoraita because the Torah say, itself is saying add another level. And so he says, no, no, they, um, it, it, it's uh, the requirement to add, uh, to add something is Doraita, but the details of what to add, that's what the rabbis uh, uh, said, right? So it doesn't say exactly what it is. So it is still the uh, Rabbanan because the rabbis decided what should be in there. Uh, wait a second. Right, but that's true for every law in the Torah. Right? Think of every law in the Torah. It says, blow shofar. How do you blow shofar? When do you blow shofar? Build a sukkah. How do you build it? Uh, don't do melacha. What's a melacha? All the details of every Doraita law are explicated by the, by the rabbis and that they remain Doraita. They're just explanations. And so here too, uh, if the Torah says, um, add, add safeguards to the, uh, to the adayot, then those would be still an explanation of a Doraita, which would be Doraita. So you're saying that these are Doraita? This is no. Rather, no, all of these Shiniyot, Ladayot are actually Drabanan. And this Pasuk that says Mishmet Mishmarti is simply, is not, is just a support for the rabbis to do that. But it's not the Peshat of the Pasuk is not saying that one has to make a secondary level. It's just like, be very careful with these. That's all the Peshat means. And then the rabbis use this as a hook to find uh, support to say, oh, uh, to be, in order to be careful, we have to add these other Dirabanan uh, prohibitions as a safeguard. And so these are four derivations for that, uh, that legitimate 
the rabbinic uh, edition of uh, these Shiniyot la to la, la Adayot. We now have a Baraita with the list of those who are Shiniyot, the secondary forbidden relations. I'll read them all, then I'll show you a chart. Those are prohibited. Uh, so here are exceptions that are permitted. Uh, means a stepson. So let's see all of these cases where we start off with M Imo. This is these are all not it's not said in the Torah. Uh, but the rabbis come and say, obviously, these have to be prohibited. A uh, person is prohibited with his mother's mother, his grandmother from his mother, or his grandmother from his father. Uh, also, his f- grandfather's wife, who's not his grandmother, she's just married, like a step-grandmother, is prohibited uh, from his father's side and from also his mother's father's uh, wife, also his step-grandmother. Uh, uh, is prohibited. Uh, now, eshet achi ha'av min ha'em. So this would be his aunt uh, from his uh, father's maternal. Right. So it says half aunt uh, is prohibited, and also eshet achi ha'em min ha'av. Or if it's his mother's uh, paternal brother's wife is also prohibited. Although his mother's maternal uh, uh, brother's wife would actually be permitted uh, because that's two steps away from the original prohibition. Okay, his sons, someone's son's uh, uh, daughter-in-law is prohibited, Shiniyot, and his daughter-in-law from his son, his daughter-in-law from his daughter, his daughter's daughter-in-law also prohibited. And this is this case is permitted, Be'eshet Hamiv. Uh, so Moshe is married to Zilpah, and this is her father. So that's his father-in-law. His father-in-law is married to another woman, and they are permitted. Should Joseph die or they get divorced, um, the son-in-law is permitted to his father-in-law's wife. Uh, that case is permitted. Uh, so if someone has the, the, it's the wife of a stepson, so you have a person here, he has a stepson, it's his wife's son from a previous marriage, a person is permitted to his stepson's wife, obviously after he dies or divorced, but is prohibited to that his daughter, his son, his daughter, uh, because that would be his wife's granddaughter, and that uh, and that would be prohibited. I was going to ask about this because this is even prohibited in the Torah. Um, and the next case is mutar be ubebito, a person's stepson, right? His uh, the wife, the son of his wife from a different uh, previous marriage, uh, is allowed to uh, take, to marry his father-in-law's wife, other wife, or um, his uh, father-in-law's daughter from another marriage. Those are are permitted. Um, Okay, these are mother and daughter, so obviously if he takes one, he can't take the other, uh, but he can take one or the other. And so that is the list of of prohibitions of Shiniyot. 
uh, and then the Baraita continues and notes a kind of interesting uh, situation that uh, stepson's wife, right back to uh, this case here, uh, this is a stepson and his wife is permitted. And the, so, so she can say, hey, listen, I am per- permitted to you, even though her daughter, my, she says, my daughter is prohibited, prohibited, prohibited to you. And so this is just an interesting situation because usually the rabbis come and they will prohibit cases that are similar to something deoraita. And yet here is a case where they do not, even though it's this is his wife's step, his wife's son's daughter is prohibited to him, right? Because his uh, wife's grand, his wife's granddaughter is prohibited, midoraita. Nevertheless, the rabbis did not prohibit his stepson's wife. And so she can say that. That's the end of the baraita. And the Gemara is now going to analyze it and says, uh, One of these cases that we just mentioned is in fact, because the Pasuk after all says, uh, one's wife's granddaughter, right, from his, uh, uh, from his her son or daughter are prohibited. That's the medoraita. So what is it doing here? The answer is Mishum de Kaba Elimit Nesefa because we wanted to mention the next case of Eshet Cholgo Meret Lo Animoteret Lecha Betiasura Lecha. We wanted to note that though his stepson's wife can say, I am permitted to you, just my, just my daughter is not. So we, that's why we mentioned the case. And her point is in saying that is even though my daughter is a sur to you, I, the, I am permitted totally, not even a gezerah. Because we wanted to mention that case, that's why beforehand we mentioned this case, even though it is a sur midoraita. Now we ask, based on that logic, how come we don't mention the same, the, the same statement regarding this case of his, um, his father-in-law's wife, which is also permitted, right? That's his wife's, um, his, his wife's father, uh, other wife. Uh, is prohibited to, is permitted to him, even though her daughter is prohibited. Her daughter is prohibited because that's his sister's, uh, his wife's sister. So she's prohibited as a wife's sister. How come over here also the Baraita doesn't point out that she can say uh, to him, I am permitted to you, even though my daughter is prohibited. That's uh, another you know, similar kind of paradox. Uh, and the answer is, in the previous case, they are prohibited uh, always, right? Uh, she will be prohibited as his wife's granddaughter, always, no matter what happens. Whereas in this case, since the prohibition is only because of wife's sister, but if Esther should die, then he is permitted to the other sister. Uh, he would be permitted to his father-in-law's other uh, daughter. And so therefore she cannot say my, my daughter is prohibited because it's only temporarily prohibited. There is a case where she could be Permitted. Amar Rav Arba Nashim Yesh Lahen Hefsek. 
Love is going to tell us something interesting. There um, are some, so, some cases where uh, once someone is prohibited, it goes even previously many generations or they're even their descendants for many generations. For example, uh, as we say, one of the Shemyot is a grandmother. And so that includes not only a grandmother, but a great-grandmother, great-great-grandmother, all the way back forever. Those will all be prohibited no matter what generation. And I've been saying that four of the cases, Yeshlanefsek, meaning it stops there and it does not go beyond a generation uh, backwards or forwards. Although we said this four, he only specified three uh, of them. We'll see why. So here's the three. Eshet achi ha'em mina av, eshet achi ha'av mina em, ve kalato. So let's see each one. Each of these is prohibited, but an added generation is not prohibited. So one case is his mother's paternal brother, his wife. Right, so it's his aunt uh, from his mother's side, his uh, his mother's paternal brother. That is prohibited. But if you add another generation here uh, to be his mother's mother's uh, paternal uh, brother's wife, then that is permitted. And similarly, if you go father's uh, maternal brother, in these two cases, it goes only one generation back. But if you add another generation, uh, then it is permitted. So that's two of the cases where we limit the generations. And Rav's third case is that his daughter's daughter-in-law is prohibited. But if you add another generation, a person's daughter's daughter's daughter-in-law is permitted. Okay, we're going to see it only applies to a daughter's daughter-in-law, not a son's daughter-in-law. So those are the three cases that I've mentioned, uh, but he did say four. Uzaidi Mosif Mosidi lets us know what that fourth case is. Af eshet avi imam. Also, this case, eshet avi imam, that would be his mother's father's wife. Uh, that is his step-grandmother. Uh, but from his mother's father. Uh, but if you add another generation, uh, then that would be the mother's father's father's wife, then that is permitted, right? This is all on his mother, a man's mother's side, not his father's side. Okay, so uh, if you want to remember which of the of these four is mentioned by Za'idi, so remember that Za'idi is above Rav. And the sense that he goes a gener, he's talking about generations um, above, uh, uh, beforehand, uh, whereas I was talking about generations below. That is in the case of daughter-in-law, I was talking about it, their generation below. In the case of uncle, he was just talking about one generation above, and Zaidi is talking about a case of two generations above. And that's why Zaidi is, we remember it by the mnemonic that he is above. Okay, how come Rav did not mention the case of Zaidi? The answer is avi aviv. Did not want to mention the case because it's confusing. Uh, because if you would go and tell people that one's mother's uh, father's father's uh, 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 wife is permitted, then that's confusing because it uh, looks the same as one's father's 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 wife. And that case is prohibited. And so therefore, uh, Rav kind of added his own gezerah 
maybe he thought that it's permitted, but he didn't want to mention it because he does mention four cases, but he didn't want to mention the fourth um, because these are matter of adayot, matters of adayot in which uh, we, this is, you see, this is the reason why we don't talk about adayot in public, right? It's so easy to um, um, uh, uh, make a mistake which way it is. So that's why he didn't want to mention this fourth case and only Zayidi did. Okay, who is Eidi? Eidi was not worried about mentioning this case because a person as often goes to his father's house. And so all the relations on his father's side is, oh, these are my close relatives. He's not going to, uh, he's not going to marry them. Whereas a person does not get together with the mother's side of the family as often. And so therefore uh, this relative on his mother's side was like, oh, I, I never saw that. I never see that person. And uh, will, uh, uh, and will, um, uh, and and so uh, is uh, is permitted um, and, and is permitted okay and that that case is permitted in any in any way anyway so the mother's side is okay and he doesn't have to worry that's going to miss is going to misinterpret it with his father's side because on his father's side he's always there and so he knows oh yeah that's my father's side those are definitely prohibited all right kalato I've mentioned the uh, the daughter-in-law he just said that word kalato he didn't specify what it is so we ask uh, one cannot take his daughter-in-law. So that's uh, right there in the Torah. So what are you talking about? Which case, Rav, are you mentioning? Are you talking about the, da- the son's daughter-in-law? But that can't be because is there, do generations stop regarding one son's daughter-in-law? We have a Baraita, this is opposite. One's daughter-in-law is Erva. His son's daughter-in-law is a secondary. His son's son, 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 son's daughter-in-law is prohibited on all generations. So Rav could not have been limiting that side. So now we can figure out that he mentioned he was he was only talking about the daughter. Hit the, his, his daughter's daughter-in-law. That's what goes only one generation, but not further. And we know this from a story. I heard this from a great sage, Mano Rabbi Ameh. And Rabbi Ameh said, Rabbi Ameh said uh, a, a, a mysterious statement that they only prohibit a daughter-in-law because of a daughter-in-law. This makes no sense. Now, Rav Chizad did not understand the statement that he heard from Rabbi Ameh. However, in the meantime, he went to astrologers, and the astrologer says, you're going to be a teacher. But he didn't know what kind of teacher. This is if I'm going to be a great sage, I mean, go and, and teach in public, then I'll be able to crack this code and figure out what Abiyame said on my own. However, if I'm going to, I know I'm going to be a teacher, he's trusted the astrologer, but if I'm going to just be an elementary school teacher, then, well, I won't be able to figure it out on my own, and I'll have to go ask the sages in the synagogue and ask them what he meant by it. So this is his test uh, for himself to know what level teacher is going to be. And sure enough, he was able to figure out what Abiyame meant on his own. And what he meant is, that the rabbis prohibited the daughter-in-law of his daughter only because of the daughter-in-law of his son. And so therefore the main prohibition that the rabbis made was, Torah says daughter-in-law. The rabbis came and said, son's daughter-in-law is added to that. Then the an, an added a, a secondary 
prohibition is daughter's daughter-in-law because it's, it's uh, very easy to mix it up with son's daughter-in-law. But whereas son's, daughter, whereas son's daughter-in-law goes on forever, daughter's daughter-in-law uh, stops after one generation. And there you go. That's what the BMA meant, that they prohibited one daughter-in-law because of another daughter-in-law, right? The son's. The, the, they prohibit the daughters because of the son's daughter-in-law. Okay, if you're having trouble uh, following this, then don't feel bad because even Abaye had to explain it to Rava with a real-life situation like the daughter-in-law in the house of Bar Sitai. Uh, where in that house, we don't know who these people are, but in the house there lived both uh, daughter-in-laws from his son and daughter-in-laws from his daughter. And you see that since they're all living together, it's easy to confuse one with the other. And the next generation, he gave his own example. And yet next generation, the sixth generation, he gave another example. Uh, all these are examples of where daughter and a daughter-in-law from a son and a daughter-in-law from a daughter were all living together. And that's why uh, the rabbis uh, prohibited one uh, because of the other. Okay, and now we get to the case that we have left out so far. What about the wife of one's mother's maternal brother? Um, what is the case regarding that? Okay, so we have to go back and, and uh, see that the Torah itself in Baikra Yutchet only says that a father's um, brother's wife is prohibited, which the rabbis understand to mean the father's paternal brother's wife is prohibited. So that's all we know, Midoraita, going only men, right? Father's paternal. And so the rabbis then are going to extend that in, in, each in every possible direction, one step. So one step removed from that would be to add a woman either in, in either case, either it's his mother's paternal brother, prohibited uh, uh, shiniyot, or his father's maternal brother's wife, and that, so we're also adding. But how about going two steps removed uh, to say the mother's maternal uh, um, brother, uh, maternal brother's wife, uh, the, the rabbis extend their gezera all the way there, or, um, or, or, or not. Uh, said, since there's nothing, there's no side of the father at all, the rabbis do not make a gezera, or do they not make a difference and they make a gezera even there. Okay, so Amarav Safra, he gufa gezera, vana nekom v'nigzor gezera ligzera, hold on, the maternal, mother's paternal half-brother, that itself is one gezera. And we have a general rule, you don't go ahead and make an, a secondary gezera to a first gezera, so Rav Safra asks a solid question, uh, and according to that, if you, since you don't make a gezera to another gezera, then the mother's maternal brother's wife would should be permitted. But Rav is going to challenge Rav Safra 
based on several other cases where we do see that the rabbis do make something that looks like a gezera ligzera. Um, and so he says, look at all the other cases that are also a gezera ligzera, and yet the rabbis do it, right? They include everything all together uh, because it's still confusing. Uh, for example, imo erva, one's mother is uh, prohibited. Em imo shenia, and then the rabbi, that's the doraita. The rabbis came and added his mother's mother grandmother, and, uh, and then, although the, primarily it's only mother's mother that they added, but then they came and added to that also one's father's mother because of mother's mother. So that's a secondary and the reason is because you call them the same name. You call the, still call the person grandmother. They're all part of the house of the grandmother. And so therefore it's really all included in one gezera, it's one lump gezera, uh, even though it's, it's two steps that are included there uh, that would in the confusion. Another example, Eshet Aviv Erva, a person's a stepmother, his wife's, uh, his father's wife is prohibited midoraita. Eshet Avi Aviv, his father's father's wife, is uh, the rabbis add as a shiniyah. The Gazrual Eshet Avi Imo, so his grandfather on his mother's side's wife uh, is also prohibited mishum Eshet Avi Aviv because of the grandfather on the father's side. So that's a that's a secondary. You can call that a gizera ligzera betamamai, but it's not because kulehu debe abad because they're all called together the house of the grandfather, and so they're all really all included in just one gizera. Another example: eshet achi ha'av min ha'av erva. This is our example. So the wife of his father's paternal. Brother, that's the Torah says. Eshet achi ha'av min ha'em the wife of his maternal, of his of his mother's paternal brother is the secondary. And then the rabbis added to that that uh, the wife of his uh, father's maternal um, brother. His wife should also be should be prohibited also because it's confusing with his mother's paternal brother's wife. Betamamai, and even though this looks like it's a second step, mishum because they're all called uncles, and therefore they're really all one gezera, and so therefore um, one could by that justification also add in another person that's called uncle. That is the mother's maternal brother's wife. I mean, aunt. She's called aunt. His uncle's, uh, his uncle's wife. Okay, my. So all right. So now we rejected Rav Safra's uh, claim, and so we still don't have an answer. Is it permitted or not? Tashema dechiyat Rav Yehuda Bar Shela Amar Amri Bamaravam. When Rav Yehuda came, Bar Shela came from Eretz Yisrael. He he reported Kol Shevinikeva Irva Bazachar Gazru Alishto Mishum Shniya. Any time that we have a a prohibition against a certain woman. In that same relation, if there's a man, then his wife also will be prohibited, right? So any uh, any structure of a uh, uh, structure of relationship that a woman is is prohibited, also a man in that same relationship's wife will also be prohibited. Now, Rava came and objected to this. Is that really a rule? Uh, here's a few exceptions. Hamoto erva. 
אשת חמיף מותרת. בת חמותו ערווה, אשת בת חמותו מותרת. בת חמיף ערווה, אשת בן חמיף מותרת. חורגתו ערווה, אשת חורגו מותרת. בת חורגתו ערווה, אשת בן חורגו מותרת. Um, because that would be some, his wife's sister, but his mother-in-law's son's wife is permitted. They're not related at all. His father-in-law's daughter is prohibited. That's by the Torah. Um, yet the wife of his father-in-law's son is, prohibited, is, is permitted. His a stepdaughter is forbidden. Uh, that's by Torah. But the stepson's wife is permitted. A stepson's daughter Uh, that's his wife's granddaughter. That's, that's forbidden. Uh, but the wife of his stepson's son is permitted. So here are a bunch of exceptions to the rule of Rav Yudah Bar So then we ask, when he says this is a general rule, he doesn't mean it across the board. So what's he coming to include that would be, uh, th that this would apply to, uh, that may not be obvious. Must be, it's his mother's maternal brother's wife, and that is prohibited because because an aunt is prohibited, and so this would be the same relation of his uncle's wife uh, would also be prohibited. And there you go. Uh, so even though the Braita that we started with Uh, that listed, everyone did not mention this. And so the Peshat of that Braita may be that this is permitted. But based on this rule, we're going to add also this case to be prohibited. And now the question is, what's the difference between these cases here where we said we don't use the mirror rule um, and this we permit, whereas here we do use this mirror rule and we prohibit the mother's maternal brother's wife. The answer is because in uh, the case of the matern mother's maternal uh, brother, um, right, mother's maternal brother, those are all blood relations. And so it only takes one kidushin, that, right, his mother's maternal brother, to marry, and then she becomes prohibited. So since it's only one kidushin uh, there, so that's closer. Whereas the cases that the mirror rule does not apply to, for example, here, where this is one's mother-in-law is prohibited, but the, the same relation, his father-in-law, right? His father-in-law is the same relation as his mother-in-law, and yet his father-in-law's wife is permitted. And the reason here is because this requires two acts of Kiddushin. He has to do Kiddushin with the daughter, and the father has to do Kiddushin with this other, uh, uh, other uh, wife. And so because this is a two-step kiddushin, therefore we do not apply the mirror rule to these cases, but we do apply it to all, uh, to the uncle, um, because that's only one kiddushin. Last case. Shalach le'erav meshashiyah metusnaya le'erav papi. Yilamdenu rabenu, eshet achi avi ha'av. Until now, we're talking about ants, but now we're asking about great ants. What about a father's father's wife or eshet achi avi av or achot avi av? 
the uh, the sister of the father's father, right? So these two cases here, right? A father's father's um, uh, brother's wife, or a father's father's sister, right? So either way, a great aunt from his father's side. Is it pre permitted or or not? There, so here's the two sides. Since one generation less is certainly prohibited, right? That would be uh, an ant on the father's side uh, is prohibited. Uh, so this also is prohibited. Or once you go from ant to great ant, so now there's another generation separating, and so it should be permitted. That's the question, and we try to answer it. Tashima, my hand shiniyot. The Braita that we started off, started off all the way back uh, mentioned here's all the secondary prohibitions. And did not mention anything about great ants, so therefore it should be permitted. Not necessarily tanabishiyed. Maybe that Braita listed some of the prohibitions, but not all of them. Uh, just like we saw just now, a mother's a maternal brother. His wife was not mentioned, and yet we established that as prohibited. So uh, maybe it left out, maybe it left these out. And uh, can you prove, are there other things that for sure it left out, that you would say it also left out these? And we answer, yes. Had a list of secondary relationships that are prohibited, and that list is, more, is bigger than the list we just had. So you see, all these are also uh, excluded. So therefore, we can say there are other cases that are also excluded. And even so, therefore, even though the Baraita did not mention these, uh, it still could be that they are prohibited. And we'll, we'll leave these lists uh, to analyze for tomorrow. Baruch Adonai Amen ve'amen.